0: Welcome to chapels from Rosedale Bible College. Thanks for joining our community for weekly
1: chapels recorded on our campus in Rosedale, Ohio. We hope you are challenged and inspired by what you hear. Enjoy. It is my, uh, my distinct pleasure and privilege to introduce someone who is not just a visiting speaker, but is a dear friend, uh, Sungbin Kim. Uh, Sungbin and I met during seminary studies in Elkhart and belonged to the same church in the country to the west of Goshen, Yellow Creek Mennonite Church where Sungbin currently leads worship. In addition to uh, Sungbin's pastoral responsibilities at Yellow Creek, he also gives leadership to the work release program at the Elkhart County Jail Ministry. Uh, Sungbin, I think, your personality is beautifully reflected in both of those ministries. Uh, service. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. This is what a friend does, you know. We name these things. But you you care deeply uh, about people who are often overlooked mm-hmm. and forgotten and thought about as, as maybe inconvenient, uh, mm-hmm. and you you welcome them. And you do that because of the God that you worship, who's come to us in Jesus Christ and who dwells with us even today in the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think your service is an act of worship, and when you lead people in worship, it's to worship one such God and to serve, serve that God as well. So let's pray to that God before you begin. Uh, Lord, we come before you in worship Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, acknowledging that you are our King, uh, and begging you that you would establish your reign more fully, in us. And Lord, we know that you work in the quiet of our hearts, but we also know that you uh, empower ministers, that you empower Christians to minister to one another uh, in the power of the Holy Spirit and to build build up your church, uh, not with straw or hay, uh, but with with gold. And so we pray uh, that this time of sharing and of listening uh, would build up the church with the quality of, of gold uh, so, so that we can stand before you with confidence, not in our own works, but in the power of your grace, uh, working in us, producing love and bearing the fruit of love out into the world. We ask your blessing, especially on Sung Bin. Uh, may the words of his mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So it's my privilege uh, being exposed
0: to this kind of energy. <laughs> this young people is always exciting, and... It's been six years for me living in the U.S. Still, I feel, yeah, one of my advisors uh, in AMBS, my seminary, uh, Ben Ollenberger, you know, also um, yeah, Matthew knows well, he told me, English is impossible language, so it was frustrating and encouraging both ways. But I mean, still with my broken English, I try to serve inmates and offenders and residents in the jail and the work as well. And they're always most welcoming Actually yesterday, I led a class named Inside Out Dad, which is encouraging people to become a better dad. And I encouraged them, you need ask help when you need help. Ask help, ask help. And recess time, one inmate came to me, Sungbin, ask for help is better. <laughs> okay, ask for help. So, so, okay, it was sweet lessons in the middle of my lesson. So, can we collaborate? We collaborate, and they were quite sweet. Uh, a week ago, uh, one inmate in the jail We've been doing Korean studies. So I teach them Korean. So, 안녕하세요, 반갑습니다. Oh. Whatever, Korean. I teach, and they love to learn. And one of them uh, got sentenced about 100 years. And his heart almost crushed it. But he tried to hold fast the Lord to endure. He's kind of 28. Imagine about that, having 100 year old sentence. That's quite heavy. But we could pray together, and increase together anyhow in the Lord. So that's what I do in the jail and the work he leads as well. Again, it's my honor and joy being here with you guys. And I want to share about um, what I saw and experienced so far in my journey of faith. Next page. So I grew up in Presbyterian church more than 25 years. And then I, was part-time, I, I, I did part-time pastoring about eight years and four years of full-time pastor. And I met every condition to be ordained there as a minister. My Presbyterian denomination was one of uh, the biggest mainstream Protestant denominations, so I was accustomed to Augustine or Karl Barth or Calvin, Luther, all those guys were my heroes in my undergrad time. And I grew up, and I actually enjoyed a lot, my growing, my experience at Presbyterian denomination. But all those kind of good experiences a little bit crumbled down after my marriage. (laughs) I mean, before my marriage, I thought I was a good man. I know the Bible. I know Greek and Hebrew. I know church history. I can discuss and enjoy discussion about theology all night or whole week I can do that. I serve, I help people. I thought I was a good man, but after marriage, uh uh-oh. kind of, uh, being an Asian man, my orientation as kind of patriarchy was deeper than I thought. And my wife being extremely shy, while I kind of extremely outgoing, so our communication was not that good. And about five years of first marriage years were really fierce. And then I had to think, what's the problem here? right? And then I could find some reasons from my theological orientation a little bit. So that was one reason that I had to consider about changing my denomination. And then, again, I met every condition to be ordained there. But just before my ordination, I came to think about infant infant baptism too much. And I started to read, especially New Testament, over and over, very meticulously, to find any single verse supporting infant baptism. And I could find none at all. Wow, there's no single verse about infant baptism and church is doing that, the whole church history. So it was surprising. And then my friends, my surroundings, they thought kind of mainstream protestant as the, as the word, as the theological word. So outside of that, it's kind of all those kind of, not something trivial, something like that. And I couldn't agree with that. So I wanted to explore a bit more. Next page. And there was a tragic accident named Sewol ferry accident, by which more than 250 students drowned It's 2014. And the response of the government was more than disappointing. It was very painful. Actually, still some people believe uh, the government was the agent, somehow. These kind of conspiracy theories are there. But it hasn't been clarified yet thoroughly. So there are many people, many parents are in pain about that. And then my congregation and my friends, many churches in my denomination, they sided with the government, blaming the parents who lost their kids. So I couldn't believe that. So there are many kind of conspiracies from the government and from the other side, and they all kind of fighting over the accident, and blaming to each other. But Quite disappointingly, many good Christians only blaming the parents and siding with the government, but not so much having the good critical discernment about that. So I had to think, I started to think about what should be, what ought to be the relationship between the state and church. Next. So my wife and I did two years of discernment. And then meanwhile, we met some Anabaptist people in South Korea. They were wonderful and wonderfully welcomed us and explained about Anabaptism, 16th century, why they pursue peace. It was a wonderful fellowship. However, moving the denomination was by no means simple. So we had to pray and prayed a lot. And finally we decided and left my previous denomination, Presbyterian Church in South Korea and joined Anabaptist Church in South Korea. That was one of the biggest decision in my life. And then they helped us and also some people in the US helped my family to come to the US because I wanted to dig deeper with Hebrew and Greek based on Anabaptist tradition. Next. So I came to AMBS. And then some I met some, what I didn't expect, a little bit liberal Anabaptist there. Um, my biggest emotion and thoughts about them is still indebtedness. I'm grateful. I learned a lot. So my first word, is indebtedness. It's not about blame. It's not, not about harsh criticism. I'm still thankful what they did to me, but how I, we, our family still, still stay on campus, and they're still quite good and ethic and sweet people, actually. They are. But theologically, when it comes to the issue of gospel and the Bible, it's so painful that I cannot agree to. And then, meeting professors and students and that, atmosphere, the people, it it was unspoken, but agreed that they never called God as He. It was kind of something taboo for them. And all those kind of too much social justice centered. I still support social justice. I support it. But sometimes going too much was too painful for me. Where's the gospel? I thought and thought and thought. And then at some point, about two years left, Two years after I started the seminary, then I kind of teared the, tore down and then thought, what am I doing here? And I shared a question with Matt. On campus, we worked together and asking each other, what are we doing here? It was good to have Matthew there actually. So next page. And then through my suffering theologically, and I read and read and read and read and read, and read write, read, write, read. And in the middle of that I became really tired so and then also I went through some depression. So for example one professor who got his PhD at Princeton one of top tier theologians he told me that if Jesus were living now he would approve same sex marriage he told me not like that. He committed himself New Testament in the Bible his whole life and he's insisting something against the Bible from his pure speculation. So I became really frustrated about studying theology. So I needed something more refreshing in my life. And then I met jail ministry through one member of our church, Yellow Creek. He led me to jail. And they were doing Bible study in the jail. And at some moment, um, the main chaplain, executive chaplain Corey Martin, my boss now, he just mentioned, oh, it'd be great if we could have some choir in the jail. Oh, choir in the jail. My wife always teaches me that, Being, oh, your voice is not good. You're just loud. (laughs) Quite true, uh, but I don't care. I just sing. And rejoicing in the Lord is kind of my joy and my duty, my privilege. I do. So, wow, choir in the jail. May I try that? And Corey, yes, why not? You can do that. So right away, he said the old setting. So I started choir about four years ago. And about three years in the jail, every Sunday evening, I sang with the inmates and their fervency of singing is far better than you expect. So loud, so fervent, so yearning, and we could experience quite a few miraculous good things for them as well. Being in US, what I experience and see is about one thing pervasive, rampant is the kind of racism which could be, which will be too heavy for this gathering. But that's the one, I think, one of major factors of this country. But in the jail, those inmates, Hispanic, Caucasian, Black, Asian, how they welcomed me in the jail. I could experience the best welcoming in the jail, believe it or not. And whenever I led the choir on Sundays, Many of them wept and cried, Songbin, we are so thankful that you spent your time with us. They wept and their voice was trembling. It was real. We need you, we are so thankful. So that kind of acceptance and gratitude gave me some freshness, rather than the seminary. (laughs) But in the jail, I could experience acceptance and welcoming and gratitude of those inmates. And then I graduated. And then based on the choir, the Corey Martin, the JM Ministry executive, kind of we talked about being hired in there. So I could be hired there. I had two and a half years of working there. And I've been also experiencing and exploring the brokenness of this country. I never knew about all those varieties of drugs and indulgences and recidivism, people struggle and also how people make effort, make efforts to overcome that and relapse. And making effort and relapse, making efforts and relapse. All those recidivism. That's one of the main enemies we fight against. And I, my main workplace is work play, work release. That's interesting place. Uh, people who are good in the jail, they are sent to work release. And they can go out for working. And they must come back to the facility. So it's half Incarceration place. Sometimes I think our process of salvation is similar to Hercules. They get a chance from jail to staying in Hercules to re-entry society. And we are saved in the process, we are being in the process of sanctification, preparing for the moment of glorification as well. So I saw some similarity about that. So that's what I do. So kind of brief introduction of myself. Next. And then I want to share with you guys about my brief observation so far about Mennonite tradition, its weaknesses and its strength. So, weaknesses first. Um, so, for example, first weakness I see is its own peace or ethic. That peace of Anabaptist or Mennonite church, is it Jesus or secular? Jesus said, My peace I give unto you, he said. But many times in Anabaptist field or Mennonite field, what they discuss sometimes go beyond what Jesus said. So that became one of my observations as problematic in many Mennonite churches today. For example, substitutionary, substitutionary atonement sorry um, means Christ died in our place instead of us. Because of my sin to save us, right? And today, quite a few Mennonite people or peace Christians, they believe it's abusive. Why? Innocent son should suffer because of sinner's sake. It's universal child abuse. They never accept that because it's not ethical. For sinner's sake, why innocent person should suffer? They don't get it. For them, it's not ethical. But at the same time, they lose, they miss the point of the gospel because they lose the perspective of resurrection as well. God was never by no means abusive to his son, but God the, God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, that beautiful trinity, they collaborated to save and to redeem humankind, I believe. About marriage. Now, many people in this country approve same-sex marriage. I wouldn't blame them. But for Christians who hold fast the author to the Bible, is it something, can it be called as Christian or not? Once I met a person from Mennonite World Conference and I asked him, um, is Mennonite World Conference um, confirm the marriage between one man and one woman? And he told me, no, we do not. We do not confirm that. We still be more inclusive of that. So I was shocked and struggled with that. And gender issue, more peaceful with peace and ethic in our time. And they want to make it more gender equality. So it's, God is not he or God is not only he, but also she. So you are allowed to call God as mother as well. I will never support or champion whatever kind of patriarchy per se, no. If Jesus said, or if Jesus called God as mother, I have no problem to call God as mother. But since Jesus taught us in His Lord's Prayer and the Bible, God is our Father. I don't know why. Not supporting whatever kind of abusive patriarchy, but I'm really uncomfortable, and I believe it's not good for Christian changing the Bible on our zeitgeist, our time of our the, the mentality of our time. Next, second problem, second weakness I find is that um, losing the gratitude uh, for the gospel that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, sent by God the Father and died on the cross for us, for humankind. And we hold fast and we praise on that. Jesus forgave us by being crucified on the cross. And we are saved based on that. And many Anabaptist people today and Mennonite people lose their gratitude of of the gospel in the Bible. That's very sad. While I was studying, it was really hard to hear that Jesus died for us. I almost never heard of that. I don't know why, but there are many liberal men today. They are very uncomfortable to say we are saved by Jesus' blood because probably they think it's too violent. Next, Second Corinthians chapter five twenty one says For... Our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God for our sake. Next an apostle Paul, who was the apostle of the Gentiles, he carried he carried his personal and individual conviction based on the relationship between him and Christ that I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He didn't stay there only, not only in individual sphere. He also taught that if my people could be redeemed, it's okay for me to be separated from Christ. He also said that. But that was still based on his solid relationship, personal relationship uh, with Christ. Next. So, as I see, before in the past, people too much emphasized individual and personal relationship with Christ almost only. And nowadays, people insist about social justice and all this public theology almost only ignoring the personal and individual sphere, the relationship with Christ. Next. And then in practice and church lifestyle, quite a few liberal Mennonites are mute and muzzled in evangelism. Yeah, it could be a bit provocative becoming coerced in bearing witness to the gospel. And I question this question that would it be possible to annoy no one at all in witnessing the gospel? In the early church, they knew how provocative was their message under the Roman Empire, proclaiming Christ is the only way of salvation. Looking at all those numerous gods in Roman Empire, but they believed and proclaimed that salvation only in Christ. They proclaimed. So inherently, it is quite a lot provocative. And we are to be wise and be humble yet confident. How should we proclaim this inherently exclusive message to this world? In humble and sharing and sacrificing manner. That's what we ought to do. Next. Yeah, this famous verse, right? Can you read it together? For I'm not ashamed of the gospel. But it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Thank you. Next. He lived there, this is the last verses of Acts. He lived there two whole years at his own expense and welcomed all who came to him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus with all boldness and without hindrance. And I believe this is what now more conservative and gospel centered peace church people need. Next. So those are weaknesses, I thought, and these are now its strength, right? So, tough thing first, and now sweet thing. Its strength is also peace, I believe. It's kind of, whenever we discuss of peace, it's kind of complex. One of the most complex words from what Jesus said, I believe, is love your enemy. How do you think and how do you apply that? Love your enemy, not just who teaches you, but real enemy, who killed and per- persecuted and tortured, the real enemies. And Jesus said, you are to love your enemy. That's most complex, most beautiful, most profound, most challenging. Command on what Jesus said. But these peace Christians, they are serious about holding fast what Jesus said, love your enemy. When I met some MCC people in South Korea, the representative of MCC at the time was Chris Rice, now he's representative in UN of MCC. He paraphrased about the word, love your enemy as feed your enemy or humanize your enemy. They were visiting North Korea, bringing so many meat cans to them, feeding those orphans in North Korea. That was so much touching my heart, even breaking my heart because those foreigners loving North Korea more than South Korean people. They were really loving North Korea. It was so challenging, positive way. Micah, he shall judge between many peoples and shall decide disputes for strong nations far away. And they shall beat their swords into ploughshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. And only church believers, Christians, they believed this Jesus' presence and coming of the Messiah as the realization of the prophesying in the Old Testament about the peace. They believe so. Next. As I learned, from Mennonite Seminary, I could learn a lot about their peace commitment. While many people, many young people in this country joined the military to fight for, physically for their country, they chose to do conscientious objector movement. If you see one, a film named Who, Re- Who, Re- Who Rejected to Fight the Good Fight? And it talks about conscientious objector people and how they committed themselves Not to join the war, but do peace work while the war time. Demand of Christ about nonviolence. How they were serious about that. These peace people, whether they are liberal or conservative, they are really serious about peace. Not to offend as much as possible. Make it peaceful. Making it sacrificial. They are really serious about peace. I really still esteem and cherish that, because being a Presbyterian, I didn't think much about God's peace, but becoming Mennonite, I carry the peace and reconciliation, more patient, and my wife, Sine, thankfully tells me that, yeah, you become a bit more peaceful, a little bit, but you become like that. When we read John the Baptist, he never said to soldiers, you need to quit your job. He didn't say that. Also, when Jesus met centurion, who Jesus didn't meet, but only through words, but Jesus complimented him. Wow, what a big faith! I never met this kind of faith among Israelites. And Abraham also kind of a military person, militant person as well. So the demand of nonviolence is not that much explicit, but still implicitly there, present. Because Jesus also said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for the the righteousness sake, right? Not persecuting. I thought a lot, persecuting Christians or being persecuted Christians. And the gap is quite critical, as I believe. Next. And second strength, I would highlight, they do concretely in good works. Again, I met MCC people in South Korea. They came to South Korea right after Korean War. Just one month later, one month after, and they did wonderful peacemaking job in South Korea, helping widows and orphans and doing all those kind of hospitals and food. They did wonderful things. About seven years ago, South Korea was one of the poorest countries in the world. All ruins, nothing. All corpse and wars, ruins, destroyed, nothing was there. But they came and they committed about 15 years. As I saw that, it was something really wow thing. And also they are doing MCC and Duke University, they are collaborating in doing peace forum in Northeast Asia. China, Japan, Korea, Vietnam, Malaysia, Indonesia, this kind of Northeast Asia and Southeast Asia, we share a very painful history in the past. Killing and killed, occupying and protesting, the heart is so deep, still now. And they are doing some reconciliation, um, reconciliation work In that context, I joined once in Nagasaki, 2015, and it was most unforgettable memory for me. At the end of the seminar, the conference, um, Richard Hayes, one of the leaders of the Peace Forum, invited Japanese pastors to kneel down. So Japanese pastors, they kneeled down, down, and all other Asians, we gave them forgiveness and blessings and some newness of our relationships. And that was most heartwarming, heartbreaking time for me as well. So these Mennonite people, also in Yellow Creek, our people go to MDS, Mennonite Disaster Service. They build bridges. It's amazing kind of 60s and 70s and 80s old people. They do construction. They do floors. All the hard things, they labor voluntarily and joyfully. I never seen in my previous denomination they, they labor for good, for God's glory. They don't evangelize verbally, not so much, but they move, they commit themselves, they sweat, they work for God's peace as well. That concrete commitment for God's good work, I have seen. Next. Okay, I would encourage you one more time. Would you read together, please? For by grace you have been saved through faith, or this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. It's interesting that when I was a Presbyterian, including myself, many of my friends, somehow we really loved this verse, but we always, almost always, we preached only verse 8 and 9. We always stopped at 9. Not going through 10. After I came to Mennonite, I refined the verse 10, the purpose why God gave us salvation as a gift. It's for good works. To commit ourselves something beautiful, good, concrete work for Christians. So Mennonite people are experts about this. I've seen. Next. Even Romans, which is known as justification by faith, and some says justification by faith only, I doubt that, but yes, um, even its first chapter and last chapter, it mentions about obedience of faith, the bracketing the whole Romans with obedience of faith as well. Next. And third and last strength of this Anabaptist tradition, as I mentioned, several fairy disasters by which more than Two hundred youth drowned. This Anabaptist tradition has strength with its distancing from the government. We are to respect the government, but are we belong to the government? I don't think so. We respect the government, but that's how 16th century Anabaptists responded. They agreed to respect the government, but they rejected to belong to the government, and. Luther, or Calvin, or Zwingli, as I studied, their church tradition is quite still hierarchical. But the strength of Anabaptist church is quite horizontal. As I was discerning in my prayer whether I come to Anabaptist or not, one of, one of most persuasive verses was Matthew 23:8. 8. But you are not to be called rabbi, not as teacher, for you have one teacher, And you are all brothers and sisters, all Christians, whether it's Pope, pastor, elders, layperson, whatever Christian. We are called as brothers and sisters in Christ rather than Pope or pastor, elders, not like that. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. That horizontal structure of Mennonite Church is one of its most beautiful strengths, I believe. Next. With that notion of the distancing from the government, respecting the government but not belonging to the government, what I see from this country and also in South Korea, some Christians being susceptible that having Christian faith and having strong nationalism, not patriotism, and then they have racism as that, with that, all combined. And I believe that's very diseased and very monstrous and some people have conviction that's right. Our Christian faith, and our racism, and our nationalism, this is what we believe, especially from mainstream, whatever. Next. And this is my conclusion that I visited, I'm in the process of uh, credentialing process with Brethren in Christ and Lancaster Mennonite from both denomination, and I was invited by Brethren Christ Church, California, Chino last week, actually. And I took one class there to be credentialed there. And um, they are targeting to do mission in inland China. And they are they have some tentative plan to start some mission center in South Korea, one biggest island because it's visa-free place. So I'm working with them about that plan. But, Still burning in my heart, and I want to encourage you with this, that I still esteem and cherish this Anabaptist tradition, this Peace Church tradition, as long as it carries Jesus' gospel at the center. Once we lose the gospel, we lose everything, I believe. As long as we carry and cherish the gospel as it is in the Bible, not changing it, according to our own taste, political or whatever kind of taste, not changing it, but cherishing the gospel and pursuing God's peace. That's burning in my heart. I want to share this burning, this flame with you. Let me pray. Lord, I crudely and briefly shared about my journey, my conviction with the students of Rosedale. I know Matt, but I don't know many students here, but I want to proclaim your gospel. You sent your son Jesus to forgive us. And in that, we find peace, your peace, your shalom, your eirene, To try reconciliation, not by our own merit, but your merit, but also for good works as Christians. This is a hard time for many people through COVID, through many challenges and confusions in our time. But I bless these young people. They may hold fast your good news and your peace in it in the power of your spirit. Their family, their future, their finance, their faith, their discipline, their relationships, everything, Lord, be with them and guide them and strengthen them. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for your listening.
1: Thanks for listening. If you found this episode helpful, please share so others can benefit from it as well. And be
0: sure to check out our other podcasts at rosedale.edu podcasts.